Hail Dictinus, grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. What are men to rocks and mountains? Welcome to First Steps Crystals, the 231st episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of Jane Austen. Our opening and closing music is credited as Frostwaltz Alternate by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. My name is Jackson, Ode's brother. And also my son. Yes. Yes, but like... <laughs> The flow of (laughs) you can't like I am on here so rarely half the time I forget what name I'm supposed to say. (laughs) So that you got that much out of me coherently is good. (laughs) I'm very proud of you. Very proud. I think that was your your like most organized introduction so far. So well done. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, so we're going to start with housekeeping. Mm -hmm. Um, As we mentioned last week, our housekeeping is changing now. So we're going to talk about politics a little bit. Just a little bit. So we're continuing to focus on the, the anti-trans legislation that is... Sweeping the nation. Yeah, exactly. Sweeping Currently uh, a huge problem. So my uh, actionable advice for, t- for this week is to go to the ACLU, to aclu.org, and click through their ongoing legal challenges against laws that have been recently, recently passed, signed mm-hmm. into law. Um, in various states, they've got one going currently in Oklahoma mm-hmm. uh, against a law that was very recently signed that uh, criminalizes gender-affirming healthcare. The ACLU is like on top of tracking and fighting these these legal assaults yeah. as they're going. They're not waiting around. Like that law was written in like earlier in May, and mm-hmm. they're already challenging it. Yeah. So like the ACLU is on top of it. So support the ACLU in your state with donations, with your time, with your attention. They have regular blogs and podcasts that cover like what they're doing and what you can do. So I would suggest funnel your attention there next to sort of get more active in and more aware of the ways that these laws are already being challenged mm-hmm. and attempting to roll them back. On a related note, but a bit of an aside, if you go to trans resource websites, it'll have a list of safe places for trans people to travel. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I wanted to bring up, too, is that there are several states that are enacting or have enacted uh, laws to protect transgender people, transgender care and affirming care. Those include Minnesota, Colorado, Illinois, Maryland, New Mexico, and California. Mm -hmm. And there are other states that are also working on including new legislation that will protect trans rights and trans health care. And I would encourage you, if you're in a state that hasn't made a commitment to that yet, to contact your representatives and ask them what they're doing about that. Mm -hmm. I know Michigan has recently passed uh, some LGBTQ plus legislation. I don't know if it is specifically transgender related as far as care. There are four anti-trans bills currently on the docket in Michigan. So we'll see how those proceed. Mm, But thankfully, we have a governor who would not sign them into law. Very unlikely. Should they pass. But wherever you happen to be, especially if you're in one of the states where all of this nonsense is happening, do please be careful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, anything else for housekeeping? Uh, yes. I wanted to mention the Pagan Picnic that is being sponsored by MEC, mm-hmm. M-E-C, uh, the Magical Education Council mm-hmm. of Detroit. And it is going to be June 10th at, from 12 to 6 p.m. in Bloomer Park, Rochester, Michigan. 
The theme is Celebrate the Sun. There is no fee for the picnic, but there is a $5 parking fee for the park itself. Mm-hmm. Mech will be providing pulled pork, barbecue chicken, and drinks, and everyone else is encouraged to bring a dish to pass. There's going to be lawn toys and games, and I'll be um, sharing a ritual mm-hmm. to honor the sun. Quill Dennison will be uh, sharing an adult class, and Barbara Jean will be sharing a children's class. So it should be a lot of fun. And that is when again? That is June 10th, so it's coming up in just mm-hmm. a few weeks. Very soon. All right, then we are house kept and house swept. Hooray! Hooray! So yeah, so we're doing yet another first steps episode. I know we've been doing a lot of those recently, but that's okay. So this one's about rocks and crystals and stones. We've rocks all... and crystals and stones. Oh, oh my! <laughs> um, which is obviously one of my favorite topics. <laughs> and Jackson. Uh-huh. Well, it has grown on me. I was not yeah. a stone person before I started working in a metaphysical shop. Yeah, That's originally true. he was not that into it. Anytime I had questions, I went to you. Uh huh. Or... Yeah, but now Jackson is my equal in terms of stone <laughs> knowledge. That's true. Um, because he has to answer questions about it at the store all day. <laughs> Four days a week. (laughs) Because there's lots of stones Uh in that dare store. Oh, there are, and I know every single one of them. So we we brought a bunch of stones out and have them on the table for our amusement and delight. (laughs) And as you can imagine, I'm going to be rather quiet for this episode. I might have a small contribution, but otherwise, this, I'm going to sit back, relax, and allow Jackson and Ode to take this one. Honestly, you'll probably be the supplier of questions for things we didn't think about. Yeah, possibly. That's probably true. So I guess the the first thing I want to talk about is actually something I personally don't do, but it's something that a lot of people have questions about. And since that's sort of the point of these first steps episodes, it makes sense to cover it first. So we're going to talk about crystal grids. I don't use crystal grids in my work with stones at all, but they are very popular, especially in Wiccan and New Age spaces. Mm-hmm. They're also very aesthetic. They are. They're pretty to look at, Definitely. So a crystal grid is just an arrangement of stones in particular patterns, which are supposed to relate to sacred geometry. Mm-hmm. Not being a math person, sacred geometry is not a thing I am interested in no. at all. But like a very basic crystal grid that you could do that like a lot of people will do is just a pentagram. Yeah. yeah. Right? So they'll like have a central stone and then they'll have five stones around it as the points of the star, right? Mm-hmm. That's a crystal grid. It's not a very complicated one. You can find examples of very complicated crystal grids. But for a first steps for a beginner, you're probably going to be doing something very simple. So something like a pentagram or even just like a four pointed, like a Celtic cross or like a compass. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just just something in the center and four stones around it at the the cardinal directions Mm. could also be very effective. But the point of a crystal grid, the idea of a crystal grid is that the central stone, which is usually a pyramid or a, a point uh, is supposed to channel the energy from the other stones. The, the grid is supposed to sort of draw in the energy from the other stones, centralize it at that central crystal, and then that central crystal is supposed to send the energy out into the universe. Mm. Yeah, um, a similar way to get the same effect without having to go into grids is to put the stone that you want to be charged under a copper pyramid. Mm-hmm. I don't use grids at all. I set out my stones however they feel like the they work best for vibes. Mm-hmm. So like I do sometimes line them up in a particular way or like I, I have a couple of divination assistants, which are stones, 
who always go out in the same order because they that's how they prefer to work. Mm-hmm. But I don't think of them as sort of channeling their energy into each other. That's just like the arrangement. I think because that, I don't they use, fit in. I think because I don't use stones that much, mine tend to end up like looking like little piles. <laughs> just a little just yeah, a little, little cairn. Little cairn of stones <laughs> that, you know, feel appropriate for whatever space they're in. Although I do like obelisks. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and I, of course I like, um, spheres. So those look a little bit more, more pre- structured, more structured. Do you actually pile them up on top of each other? Not really, but they get close <laughs> enough to each other that just they sort of, look like a, sort of little, little cluster. Yeah. Sometimes I'll do like a line mm-hmm. or something, but yeah, they, I, I was looking at those the other day and I thought those just look like piles of rocks. <laughs> I mean, that's fair enough. Whatever right? works. They're pretty, pretty mm-hmm. piles of rocks. Yeah. My rocks end up literally wherever. I found one on top of my console the other day, and I'm like, I don't yeah. remember putting that there, but that's there now. <laughs> I must have put it there for some reason. <laughs> and yeah, rocks move around my room. Yeah. Like, I have a display shelf for them, where especially the large specimens tend to stay on the display shelf. Yeah. But the smaller stones just sort of move wherever I need them. <laughs> kind of hilariously, about two weeks ago, uh, one of my... Tektites, the kind of like spiritual awakening stones, threw itself off the shelf. (laughs) Guess you're coming with me. Okay, (laughs) good to know. The only other thing I do with stones vis-a-vis like specific placements Mm -hmm. is boundary marking. So like we have for our house... certain guardian stones placed at specific points around the house. And they don't move. And they don't move. Yeah, they stay exactly Mm -hmm. where we put them. They go in various corners Mm -hmm. because they are establishing a boundary line. But aside from really specific cases like that, where like either the stone needs to be somewhere to do its job or the stones, in my experience, just like working in a particular orientation or place, Mm -hmm. I really don't use crystal grids and I don't think they're necessary. Right. No, yeah, like they're a great tool if you want to use them, but don't feel obligated. Yeah. If you don't understand them or if they don't vibe with you, like you're not going to you're not going to lose anything in the right. process if you don't use a crystal grid. Although like Jackson was saying, they can be very very pretty to look at. Oh, so yeah. if you just want to arrange your stones in the most aesthetically pleasing fashion, that is definitely a way you could do it. And if you're a Charlie Brown like me, just make a pile of rocks. Just make a pile of rocks. And it works. I mean, mm-hmm. I literally brought in a pile of rocks in a bowl. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I've done that before. Yeah, Jackson keeps all of his working rocks in a little iron cauldron. I have often used a conch shell mm-hmm. and then uh, put the stones in there. Yeah. A, oh, yeah. You know, and they do end up just being piled on top of each other. But mm-hmm. they, it looks very pretty. Yep. So. <laughs> That's sort of the one of the big questions that people ask a lot is about mm. cr- uh, crystal grids and things like that. And like I said, I just, I, I think they're very optional. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, if you want, like Pinterest is the best place to yeah. go looking oh, for yeah. grids. You'll find tutorials. You'll find examples. Mm-hmm. If it's a thing you want to get into Pinterest, Instagram, and TikTok. And what you're mm-hmm. going to want to pursue ultimately is sacred geometry because yeah. that's what crystal grids are based on. They're based on sacred geometric shapes. Yep. So if that's your jam, go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there are pretty easily found, like, wooden laser-cut flower of life that mm-hmm. would be a good base for a very simple crystal grid. Yeah. If you want something more complicated than a pentagram or a, or a Celtic mm-hmm. cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the other thing that people ask a lot about working with stones is how do you know what they're for? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways to figure it out. You can look up a definition, but, like... Uh, 
the store I work at, we were, we legitimately ran an experiment one time. Everybody who worked at the store was, was given a piece of bill tonight and not told what it was for mm-hmm. and just said, carry it around for like a month and come back and tell me what you think it does. <laughs> and that could be a good way to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Half the time I use my stones for what they do for me personally, as opposed to the like book ascribed use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something I want to talk about a lot of websites and books will have ascribed some kind of meaning to mm-hmm. a particular stone. Sometimes those meanings will overlap. Sometimes they will be radically different. And sometimes like 14 different stones will all have the same meaning ascribed to them. Like you can mm-hmm. find basically a website somewhere to describe every stone on earth as being related to spiritual awakening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Like, there is someone somewhere who's made that claim. And if you are not sure, it's okay to look in a book for these people who have... Sure. But what I'm going to tell you is that those meanings Mm -hmm. are... I'm not going to say they're randomly ascribed because I don't know the people who wrote them. But I will say they are, at most, following Mm -hmm. that person's personal vibe. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. That, like, there is no single, like, stone meanings book that is going to give you the hard and fast rules on what this stone means and what it's for. Yeah, I actually use stone books more like I use the books for tarot explanations. Mm-hmm. I use them as a base to jump off of and then make my own conclusions from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, at this point, don't even use them for that. I don't use them at all. I go, I've talked about this before, I go straight to mindat.org, a mineral database, and I read the scientific data about a stone and find a specimen of that stone yeah. and I coordinate between the vibes I get from the stone and the information I know about its actual physical properties yeah. and from there I extrapolate what it does. Yeah, I'll be and what you guys probably know about me by, by now is I go almost exclusively off of, off of vibe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's so, very vibes based. He's very vibes based. I can say that because I'm not as adept or really into stones like my children are, <laughs> um, I generally, unless they're the handful that I know like, you know, amethyst and Mm -hmm. labradorite and things like that. I just kind of like Jackson, I go by vibe. Yeah. Vibe and color. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly. What does the stone feel like? What does it feel like and what does it want to do with me? Oh, honestly, if you don't have a good idea, color magic is always a good place to go. Mm -hmm. It's a good starting point. It's a good starting point. Um, And so I do use the books from time to time, but something that you can do if it works for you, it works for me is when I'm looking up a, like a piece of Labradorite and I look in a, up in a definition in the book, there'll be like a billion different things that it says it's for. Mm-hmm. And the one that you're like drawn to is the one that's, it's doing that job for, for you. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Right. Yep. The other thing I would suggest if you're starting from like a baseline of having no knowledge about a particular stone is see if there's any mythology about it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's one of the more common stones, there's probably myths and superstitions about it, which can give you hints. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I really do, I operate on a vibes plus science basis. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is vibes. Because in my experience, even though like a particular class of stone will have a generalized area of interest, each specific specimen in that class of stone will have its own specific interest Mm -hmm. in working with me as an individual. Mm -hmm. So like Labradorites in general are associated with things like creativity and dreams and visions and magic. But like I've got a specific Labradorite piece that only does dream work and another specific Labradorite piece that only works with me on divination. Oh yeah, Uh, you might notice that I have two pieces of brown tiger eye Mm -hmm. in my same like working kit and they do different things for me. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's a little bit of an animism thing, where for me, each individual stone has its own spirit. So mm-hmm. I'm building different relationships with each individual stone. Right. If you're not an animist, it might not work quite that same way for you. But at least in my experience, and clearly also in Jackson's experience, that's the way it works. Each individual stone might do something different. I would say I'm animist light. Dip, dip the toes in the pool of animism. I don't get super deep into it, but I do talk to my rocks and they, you know, have feelings back at me and it mm-hmm. works. But, but usually it's more of that like, hello, friend. <laughs> Let's work something out today. Uh-huh. Actually, this will be interesting. So how about each of us sort of goes around and talks about like what the feeling is of like speaking to a stone because that's something that it's hard to explain and that it's hard for especially beginners to understand what they're doing. Yeah. I like almost exclusively get a weird tingling sensation up my arm and down my back. Mm -hmm. And when I'm like trying to hash out what a stone is, is working on, I kind of hold it and flip through the options like a yes, no response. (laughs) Just wait for the right tingle. (laughs) Yeah. And like, it's very quick because I do it. I don't do it aloud. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to go at like speaking speed. I go at thinking speed. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty Mm -hmm. rapid. And then you just sort of cycle through. And sometimes they do different things on different days. But um, every once in a while, I'll have, I usually have five or six rocks in my pockets at all times. Every once in a while, I'll like grab a handful of rocks and they'll like, they'll sort of, tingle slash pulse slash whatever you want to call it and like oh ooh, hey we're working real well together you should keep us in this group <laughs> we, we we vibe we, we synchronize vibe. exactly and then i'm like all right what are you guys vibing about today <laughs> and then i usually get like uh oh gosh it's a weird sensation to you know how you're looking at someone and they have a really indescribable face and you go are they happy are they sad are they blah it's like that R- resting bitch face yeah it's like the stones are giving me a sort of micro expression underneath resting bitch face and I have to like parse out what they're trying to tell me. Mm-hmm. It's a little vague and a little esoteric, but we make it work. So what do you do, Gwen? I'm not as adept with stones and I don't sense them quite as easily, I think, or connect with them quite as easily as I do with plants mm-hmm. and, and flowers and trees and stuff. But I do get a sense of their spirit and their energy. Usually when I pick up a stone, what I first feel is just that their energy. And it either gives me a, yes, let's work together or nah, mm-hmm. go on, move on, move on. <laughs> Once I've kind of got that subtle energy of, you know, yes, it's willing to work with me. Then I kind of go in a little deeper and get that sense of what kind of spirit that stone is. hmm and how it might like to work with me. But again, a lot of times it comes, you know, it just comes down to, hey, I'm pretty, take me with you. <laughs> we move on from there. <laughs> because I'm not as, I, I don't work as, as much with stones. Right. And you don't connect easily and with And I don't stones. connect easily with them. So it's, sometimes... It's the it, wrong kind of earth for you. Yeah, it's the wrong kind of earth for me. And um, a lot of times, again, it comes down to, hey, I'm pretty. You want to take me with you? <laughs> That's actually a really good beginner way to get into it. Something mm-hmm. we recommend people do at the store is just like whichever one catches your eye don't look it up don't just like Mm -hmm. don't even read the names just find the one that you're like oh yeah this one Mm -hmm. and then google it Mm -hmm. be like maybe i forget like uh i picked up white howlite and started carrying around with me before i ever knew what white howlite was but at the time i was working in a really high stress environment Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's book ascribed is good for absorbing negativity from people around you in high stress situations which was like exactly what i needed at the time Mm -hmm. and if you're like me 
you take your stone to one of your children who is more... <laughs> and say, what is this stone? <laughs> and say, what is it? <laughs> yes, usually Gwen will bring us a rock, not know what it's called, and we'll have to first identify it and then tell her what it's for. Yep. <laughs> and then I usually do something else because, yeah. you know... So so find your local rock hound, I guess, is our primary advice. <laughs> yep. yep, find someone who's really into stones. Oh, mm-hmm. I guarantee you one day in the future, somebody's going to be looking at something and, oh, lepidolite, and they'll be like, why do you know that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so how about you? Yeah, so for me, uh, I go through the same process like when I'm at a store or I'm looking at a selection of stones uh, where I just sort of pick through and touch all of them. Mm-hmm. It is a very touch-based experience for and sure. And it can take a very long time. It can. Gwen has watched me spend like half an hour mm-hmm. sifting through a pile of rocks. And part of that is because for me... Because I do connect really, really easily with stones and I have a very good sense of stone spirits, it has almost nothing to do with my aesthetic attraction to the stone. Mm -hmm. There are many times where like I've found a piece that I like aesthetically, but it has not connected with me and I've had to put it back. (laughs) Very disappointed. No. Uh Uh-huh. Where it's like, no, I'm here for someone else. You keep looking. Keep looking, you fool. (laughs) Move along. It was years before I found any piece of rose quartz that was willing to work with me. I have the same trouble with garnet. Yeah, like I struck, like every time there was rose quartz, I would go through like every piece of rose quartz in the bin and not find a single piece that would work with me. It was years and years and years and years. It wasn't until I think last year that I actually found a piece of rose quartz that I could keep. No, that's funny because I vibe with rose quartz. Mm-hmm. Rose quartz and amethyst are like real simple. Rose for me. quartz and amethyst, I think, are very accessible energies. Mm-hmm. They work with a lot of people. They're yeah. very friendly, mm-hmm. which is why it's so bizarre that yeah. I could not get one to work with me. Yeah, rose quartz and amethyst, I would count them among the like bog standard introductory kit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, most people will find that most pieces of amethyst and rose quartz will be willing to work with them. Like I said, they're very friendly. Of course, I had the story of the tiger's eye from years ago. I wanted a tiger's eye because they're protective Mm -hmm. and things like that. Plus, I work, a lot of the pendulums I work with are stone. Mm -hmm. And so that often has something to do with the reason I pick them. But even more so, if they're willing to work with me. And this little tiger's eye wanted to come home with me. It was very clear. It was, it swung really energetically it felt right. And then it spent a year trying to hide trying itself to and, and trying to escape. <laughs> she was just a transition okay. point. Yep. So that's happened to me more than once. I've owned like like four pieces of tiger iron because the first three I picked up and then like a month later took it to work for no discernible reason and gave it to someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're just a, a waypoint. One day I will have a piece of lemon quartz that stays with me. But it hasn't I know. Happened yet. You, have given away, have you have given away so much lemon quartz. Hello, I'm one of those recipients that I still appreciate uh-huh. it very much. Oh no, it's it's more than just you guys. I've given away like like probably eight pieces and I want it. I like it. Oh, let me borrow one. Uh-huh. I have to give it back to you because it's one of my favorite stones but every time I pick it up, it's like, ah, you're just giving it to somebody else who needs it down the yep. line. Yep. <laughs> you're a waypoint. Yeah, so that'll happen. Getting back, because we got distracted. Yes, we did. Yeah, so my process is to go through and touch every rock until I find the right one. It's not a physical sensation like it is for Jackson, but it is sort of like a... Um, it's the spiritual sense of puzzle pieces clicking together. Mm. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like an emotional connection? Yeah. Of like, yes, we are energetically aligned. Mm. Our energies are compatible. Yeah. And then, to be clear, energetic compatibility is not... Is not a yes. Nope. So you've got to find one that's energetically compatible with you 
and that is willing to go home with you. Yep. Which is why I will spend half an hour digging through a bin of rocks. It's kind of hilarious <laughs> to watch them, to be I, honest with you. That is not even bad. <laughs> I yeah, no. once watched a man spend two and a half hours sorting through every single piece of opal we had in the store and came away with about 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and sometimes I'll spend the whole time going through the rocks and then leave with nothing because mm-hmm. nothing wanted to come home with me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just the way it is. But so in terms of determining like what a stone wants to do with me or what its areas of interest are. It's again, it's a lot of holding it, just holding it in my hand. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if I'm not getting a good connection, it helps me to put it at my collarbone or up against my mouth. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. Maybe there are energy centers there. I don't Throat really chakra. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't really do chakras and energy centers, but sometimes that helps me if I'm not getting a good connection. So throat chakra is like specifically for communication. Aha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you're you're literally putting either at your physical mouth or your throat chakra being like, talk to me. <laughs> Great. Love to know when I'm doing things that make sense purely by intuition. <laughs> See how that works? Uh-huh. You follow the vibes and the vibes the lead vibes you, lead oh, you yeah. the right in the place. right place. <laughs> What's hilarious is intention for me, I don't even notice that I'm doing it. Someone will be like, oh, why do you have that? And I'm like, oh, that's because that piece doesn't like doing this. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, right. It doesn't like doing that. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so, yeah, I usually start with, I usually have some knowledge in my head already for physical properties and scientific data and mythology and stuff about a stone. And then it is a matter of asking it what it does. The answer is not in words. In my experience, stones don't speak in words. But it's not really in images or feelings either. It's alignments. God, this is hard to explain. Um, Stones, in my experience, communicate in a very like, I would describe it as like spiritually sub-vocal like it's it's below hearing but it's something you have a an awareness of in the same way that like you your your body responds to physical vibrations that you're not aware of. Mm. We talked about this not too long ago. There's a frequency of vibration that causes your eyeballs to vibrate mm. at a a frequency that causes you to experience a kind of visual hallucination mm-hmm. and this is the cause of some non-spiritual ghost sightings, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's actually happening is not that there's a spiritual disruption. It's that there's a piece of equipment somewhere in the area that's creating a vibration, which is causing you to hallucinate. Oh, infrasound. Yes. Yeah. So, so yes, exactly. So infrasound. So stones speak in the spiritual equivalent of infrasound, where it's below the level of conscious thought but it is, and it's like slower. Hmm. So they have a very slow, deep style of communication, um, which is why it's hard sometimes to get specific details from them. But if you can sort of lower your conscious processing down as low as you can get it, you can get closer to the level that they're communicating at and get more details. That's fucking fascinating because that's not... (laughs) In any way how it works for me. (laughs) And I think that shows that people have different processes Mm -hmm. and understanding. I think maybe I explained poorly. I don't hear words from stones. Mm -hmm. It's more like a a thought occurs to me and it's like I've always known it. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's the way I intuitively understand a lot of other things, but Mm -hmm. it's not the way I communicate with stones. Mm -hmm. The way I wonder it takes you forever, your frequency matching. Yeah, (laughs) basically, yeah. I'm like trying to sort of cycle down closer to... Mm spiritual infrasound. And I can never completely match a stone's frequency, but I can get close enough that I am 
able to hear them better. Mm. I like what Loop Guru says. Uh, that makes sense. They are old and speak in a much older tongue. Yeah, and I think part of that is that stones, even like the very small, like tumbled specimens you're likely to encounter, mm-hmm. are all shorn off of larger stones, yeah. right? They're all pulled from mountains or, or from the deep earth at some point. Mm-hmm. And they're connected to those older, deeper, bigger spirits yep. through sort of the way chains I've spoken about before mm-hmm. where you get bigger and bigger and bigger spirits as you go down the line. So the individual spirit I'm speaking to, though it is smaller and individual, is connected to, to those the, much deeper levels. And like so plants. Exactly. And so like I have to reach down as deep as I can get while they're reaching up. And so so we're sort of like just managing mm-hmm. to layer right on top of each other. So I don't know that I could describe I don't know that I could describe it in terms of like language or or even in terms of thoughts. Like it's not like so I have those two pieces of Labradorite, the one that works on dreams and the one that works on divination. It's not like each one said to me, I will work on dreams. Mm -hmm. I will work on divination. It's that like the frequencies they were emitting were closer aligned to those concepts. Yeah. If that that makes makes sense. sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that does make sense. I honestly, this is one of those scenarios where I feel like the way all stones communicate is the same and the way people perceive it is different. Yeah, I think that's very much the case. Absolutely. Because I think I'm just running through that process subconsciously and it popping up as a final mm-hmm. thought. Probably, I'm just not yeah. Doing yeah. The in between. Yeah, the like the very analytical process uh-huh, of like yeah. which is probably a difference between you and me. You're a much more intuitive person mm-hmm, than I am. Mm-hmm. I'm a very analytical person. Also, and I've you're, skimmed you're the top. Mm-hmm. The most type A person I know. It's true. And I'm decidedly not. That's true. We that's are, true, too. If we weren't literally related, you would never think we were similar at all. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, is, that is very true. So we just we just access this information differently. But mm-hmm. the stones are probably, you're right, transmitting the information in the same way. Mm-hmm. Thanks to our Tiger Solanox for introducing us to Weavers of the Web, an interfaith pagan ATC, Aquarian Tabernacle Church, organization based in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for the down payment on a property which would allow them to expand their current network of resources, including dedicated community space, a permanent home for a pagans-in-need pantry, and a lending library. Join them online or in person for regular events, including rituals and discussion groups at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash weaversatc. Hail Dictonus! Something else I thought we could talk about is the various sort of forms you can find stones in. Mm. Because although uh, like a small handheld tumbled stone is what you're most likely to find, there are a variety of cuts, I guess, and forms, Mm -hmm. shapes, Uh, that you might find, and some of them actually do have purposes. Some of them are shaped that way for a reason, Mm -hmm. other than just the natural formation of the stone. Yeah, and I would, for just before we get into that, I would always say, if you have a stone that's tumbled, look up what it looks like raw. Yes. Because you'll encounter it and not know what it is, because they look decidedly different. Mm -hmm. I actually, there's a person out in the world that found some mahogany obsidian, a big old chunk, and was using it as a doorstop. Yep. And not just what it looks like raw, but what it looks like cut, because people have no idea what raw emerald looks like. No. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I have a raw emerald in the store Mm -hmm. that I work at, and people are like, do you have emerald? And I'm like, yeah, we do. And I show it to them, and they're like, that's not emerald. 
I'm like, oh, I assure you it is. Yeah, because they're used to seeing gemstone (laughs) quality cut emerald, Mm -hmm. and they have no concept of what it looks like in a raw, uncut form. I believe I either have like a raw ruby or a raw garnet. Mm -hmm. You have a raw ruby. ruby. Yeah. Yep. Ruby, uh, garnet, and emerald are all extremely difficult to identify in the raw form if Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're looking at. It's true. They just look like rocks. They just rocks. look like vaguely green or vaguely red rocks. Mm-hmm. Garnet usually looks like a black rock. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, different sort of styles and cuts you can find. Gwyn, you've got a fun little stone over there. I have what is known as a seer stone. Mm-hmm. Um, it is basically raw on one side. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really cut. Right. Um, it's like, I would say maybe lightly tumbled. Yeah, maybe lightly tumbled. But on the other side, it's smooth and polished. Mm-hmm. And as a seer stone, that is the, the smooth, polished side is considered a window. Mm-hmm. And you would use it um, as you would use like a scrying crystal or bowl or whatever to, to scry and to uh, get you into a trance state so that you can have visions. This just happens to be portable. This mm-hmm. is handheld. Yeah. And so it's you very can, little and cute. It's very little. It's very cute. And you can, if you want to use it as a meditation source, you can. If you want to use it as a scrying stone, you can. Mm-hmm. Some people actually put it on, on a chain and carry it with them so that they can scry mm-hmm. in I have one on various a places. Yeah, exactly. I believe that it's called a mirror cut, what you have, mm-hmm. to give it that like really smooth, reflective look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very pretty. And this, I believe, is a uh, smoky quartz. Yep. And I love it. It's very nice. It is. The other thing I have has a natural formation that's a hagstone, mm-hmm. uh, which is typically flint. And so we find a lot of those in Michigan. Yes, we do. Based on uh, legend and tradition folklore. and folklore. Uh, if you look through the, it, it has a naturally formed hole. Mm-hmm. Usually they're found like in rivers or things. It's, mm-hmm. it's been or water worn. Yeah. If you, if you gaze through the hole, mm-hmm. it is said that you can see the other side. Yeah. yeah. They're sometimes also called fairy stones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're actually also really useful for finding things that have been lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I have a hagstone. Yeah. Um, so you can use them as a sort of dowsing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a hagstone hanging over there on my on my necklace. Yep. If anybody's ever seen the Spiderwick Chronicles, they used a hagstone in that. Yep. Yep. They use them in a lot of uh, fiction yeah. stories, actually, because they're they're very well known in, yeah, in, in folklore. folklore as something that you can use to see the other side, yeah. whether it's the fairy side. Yeah. Or, to see or hidden things. To see hidden things. Yep. Exactly. And I I used to wear that quite often. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So we've got tumbled stones then. So I guess not everyone's aware of what tumbling is. So a tumbled stone is one that was taken in a raw form. Usually it's because the stone is too small to cut in an attractive shape, or it has some sort of impurities or imperfections, which make it inappropriate for gem use. And it's put in a big drum, basically, Mm -hmm. with a lot of sand and other grit and some water, and it spins really fast and smooths the stone. They're essentially trying to mimic what a river does in, in, mm-hmm. in quick but, time. But very fast. If I remember correctly, when you were children, because these kids, they've always loved rocks. They, <laughs> they yes. dug up half my mother's driveway. I did. Every summer I went there and dug all the rocks out of her driveway and she just let me do it. Oh, uh-huh. there was an entire drawer of, of uh-huh. rocks there mm-hmm. when she sold the place. Yep. But I think because they were so into rocks... I got you a little you children's a, version of yes. a tumbler, and it came with specimens that you could that you could tumble, you could tumble yeah. and become gorgeous little 
gem uh-huh. tumbled stones. It was surprisingly good, that little rock. It was for, mm-hmm. for, a, for a cheap really, little kid's thing. Yeah, It's like hand-churning ice cream. It takes a long mm-hmm. fucking time, but the end result's nice. Yeah, yeah, they were really actually quite pretty. Yeah, they were. But an industrial one is much bigger, obviously, and obviously. just runs on electricity. A tumbled stone basically is a stone that has been sort of rejected for other use mm-hmm. and then has been made attractive to the average human being. Yes. Oh, um, sometimes Because gemology see. just has very high requirements for a yes. stone. Sometimes you see stones that really should not have been tumbled. No. That have been tumbled. I've seen tumbled grape agate and tumbled blue kyanite of all things. Yeah. It's very strange looking. Yeah. And there are, yeah, no, no kyanites should be tumbled because they're a stacked stone. So stones obviously come in different crystal formations. Mm-hmm. Some formations are better raw. Um, any kind of stack stone, like a tourmaline, like a kyanite, or anything that's particularly fragile, like a selenite, should absolutely never be tumbled. In fact, uh, I think I have are... a tourmaline hanging over there that's stacked. And that's not to say they're not capable of being tumbled. No, they just won't they turn out look, look. Yeah, they don't yeah. look as nice yeah. as some of the other types of stones when you tumble them. Mm-hmm. Because you can still see the, like, striations in them. Yeah. Or with so Grape Baggett, its entire name looks around the fact that it looks like a pile of grapes. And when you polish that, you take out all of that texture. All the definition. Mm. Yeah. And it just looks like a purple rock. On the other hand, selenite going to disintegrate. Mm. You might get a small tumbled selenite yeah. out of a very large piece of raw selenite. But yeah, when they you do, lose a lot. When they do the selenite rods, you see yeah. those a mm-hmm. lot. Are those just shaped? Uh, partially. So sh- selenite actually grows in very long crystal formations like that. And then they cut them specifically to whatever size they want them to be. I'm going to give them like a gentle tumbled around amount, yep. essentially. Okay. Selenite's a really interesting stone because it's... Uh, it's extremely soft. Yeah, and it's like main mineral component is salt, mm-hmm. which is why it disintegrates so fast. Yeah, it's water soluble. So don't put it in water. No. Oh, yeah. So It'll... many... Oh my God, so many times I've seen people like, cleanse your selenite in a dish of water. Don't. don't. No. You will no longer have selenite. So the first time you do it, it's not going to melt like... Uh, a raccoon washing cotton candy, but um, yeah. it'll, it'll, <laughs> it'll, yeah. uh, it'll harm the structure of the stone. So yeah. even if it doesn't fracture the first time, you have officially weakened that selenite. Mm. And if you whack it into something, it's more likely to shatter. And it breaks off in really splintery, sharp-ass shards. Never get up. No. <laughs> it splinters into a thousand pieces and dust. Yeah. So which you should not inhale. No. If you're ever trying to like actually fully disintegrate selenite, it takes a long time and a lot of water because it absorbs it and mm-hmm. then fractures. But like it's, it's. It's bad. Bad. Don't do it. <laughs> How about geodes? Explain geodes. Uh, so a geode is a stone that is encapsulated in its matrix. So a matrix is a non-gem stone like granite that a gemstone grows on, that a crystal grows on, and a geode is just a case where crystal is fully inside the removed matrix. Do they polish it when, like I have a a couple of geodes. Mm -hmm. They've been whacked open. They've been whacked open. So generally they leave the the matrix stone unpolished Mm -hmm. and then polished gem. Okay, they do polish the gem on the Usually inside. they polish whatever surfaces are the accessible. Face. Yeah, the face gotcha. of the of the stone, uh, of the crystal, and then the interior crystals are not polished usually. That's how you get crystal caves. Yep. Oh, gotcha. That is a big old geode that they have slashed open yep. and polished the front-facing bits and left the inside raw. Oh, okay. 
Unlike like natural feature crystal caves, which mm. are even bigger geodes, yes. still in the earth, <laughs> which are cool. I've been in a couple. Yeah, yeah. The the big like people enjoy cracking open geodes, mm-hmm. which is like chisel and a hammer, not too hard. Um, it's a fun tourist activity, though. It is. It's a very fun tourist activity. Cool. And you know, uh, a piece of advice I got from one of my customers: if you pick up a geode and shake it, if it rattles, you got a really good one. Uh huh. Because it means the crystals are. Breaking mm-hmm. off inside. Good to know. So another common formulacy is the manufactured point. Yeah, it's called point, tower, obelisk. It's all the same thing. Yeah. I have several obelisks. They usually have an irregular number of sides because they've just been cut by whatever the stone that it was cut from could tolerate. Mm-hmm. They can be in a variety of stones. Uh, fluorite's very common. That's what I've got here. Amethyst is very common. Quartz is very common. Um, I have an obsidian one. Obsidian, Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, You can get labradorite towers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Usually a tower is cut from, again, a stone that on its own was not remarkable enough to maintain in its full raw form. Mm. But they're very polished and they tend to be very pretty. Sometimes you'll also find what I I don't know how I would describe it other than like a, a false tower where someone has like sheared off and layered up different Mm. stones into Mm. a tower. Yeah. I've seen that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those are done for what you'd call like a chakra tower. Yeah. So it takes the different colors of stone and then essentially glued them on top of each other. Yeah, they're not actually glued. They're like chemically bonded, but effectively Effectively. that's what they've done. I'm not partial to those. They feel weird to me. I don't get good like energy connections from them, but Mm. they're out there if you're interested in that kind of thing. Something interesting to talk about is man-made stones. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have a wonderful piece of bismuth that I loved to death and was most certainly made in a lab. Mm-hmm. Some stones are only made, like um, sunstone. Mm-hmm. Sunstone is not a naturally occurring nope. stone. That is a purely man-made, it's a piece of glass. It's oh, opalite. People, yep. yep, opalite, yep. And it's I know literally people just love, opalescent glass. Mm-hmm. People love the these different types of man-made, mm-hmm. laboratory-made uh, stones. And then they don't realize that they're laboratory-made. And there are also synthetic, yes. lab-grown, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. natural stones. Yeah. Yes. So, so interestingly, there are pieces of lab-grown citrine that are much more white and much less yellow. And then the heat treat them, which creates that like yellow tinge on the ends. I've talked about this back when I did my citrine oatstone corn. Yes, you can tell the difference between a heat-treated mm-hmm. and a natural citrine because heat-treated citrine uh, is more orangey in color. They look toasty on the ends. Yeah, whereas a natural <laughs> citrine is going to be more honey-colored. To be clear, I have no problem with synthetic gems, especially when you get into gemstones that are usually mined with extremely unethical practices. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like diamonds. Oh, mm-hmm. God, yeah. Just lab create diamonds for everybody. It's fine. Yeah. Um, They're just as beautiful. That's the thing. They're just as beautiful. And what I've talked about before is they're the same energetically. They're Mm -hmm. just younger. Yeah. They kind of remind me of, this is a weird comparison, maybe like old gods versus new gods. Yeah. They're like babies or clones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They have connections to the deeper spirits, but those connections are not always as strong as Mm -hmm. uh, the connections that a natural stone has, but they do have those connections because they are from this, they are from that class of stone. And for a rare stone, if it's created in a lab, Mm -hmm. it makes it more accessible to people because, you know, you're not going to be able to afford some of these really rare, expensive pieces. You're not going to find a nice natural piece of Alexandrite. No, Exactly. (laughs) 
Not in the least. You'll usually find that at jewelers. Yes. And it'll be very, very small and very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's actually a, a type of quote unquote stone that I absolutely love that's literally layered paint mm-hmm. that's been shaved down yeah. and polished. And like, that's not even a stone at all. But it's still and we've functions. talked we've talked before about how amber isn't really a stone, no, but we consider sound. it a stone, right, for our purposes. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Okay, talk about sea glass. Oh, oh yeah. So sea glass is. Um, I guess that's not a question. That's a statement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So sea, sea glass is literally like someone threw a beer bottle in the ocean mm-hmm. and it eventually washed up in fragments on a beach somewhere. Okay. And then and it's because it was in the ocean with the water and the sand and mm-hmm. the tumbler and the salt. It's just this really usually kind of frosted effect, mm-hmm. very gorgeous, smooth pieces of glass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend if you are, if you have a beach in your area that where sea glass washes up, go pick it up. You're uh, cleaning up litter and getting something pretty in the process. They're very beautiful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you think those have any energy to them? Since yeah, absolutely. They have ocean energy oh, that they've true. picked up from being in the ocean for however long it took. True. Good um, point. I actually use, I don't have any sea glass at the moment, but in the past I have used it for, I'm looking for the nearest stream, seed glass, lead me to water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about mermaid energy? Would that be, like, could you connect to mermaid Probably energy? Probably if you do things with mermaids. I don't know. I don't, so. Yeah. yeah, neither or do Or nymphs. Yeah. You can also get river glass and things yeah, like that. And yeah. any body of moving water you can get um, I'm just glass balling. washed up from. <laughs> but no, I would say they have water energy. Water energy? Yeah. Well, I think I want to get some. No, what about stones? Like, you gave me a beautiful piece of, I'm not sure what it is, you'd have to tell me again, that's shaped like a body. And I oh. use it as a body positivity mm-hmm. kind uh, of charm. That piece is specifically strawberry quartz. Strawberry right? quartz. Which is generally for self-love. Mm-hmm. But talk about the shape. Oh, so the shape, it's, it's been um, carved into mm-hmm. like a statue, into uh, a bust from like neck to waist. Yeah, it's, it's like a modernized Venus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can find lots of carved stone like that. Yeah. A lot of it will be soapstone because soapstone is very, very easy to carve. Mm-hmm. So like if you go to a pagan festival and you find a lot of like little carved stone animals, most of those are going to be soapstone. Yes. Um, unless you can definitively identify them as something else, it's probably soapstone. So does the shape identify what its purpose is, or is it the shape with the the, so, the type? Like so, for that one, I use it as a body positivity stone because of its shape and, the, I guess, because strawberry quartz is about self-love. For the majority of carved stone that's going to be soapstone, you're going to follow probably the shape that it's carved in for its purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, although soapstone does have its own properties, it's mostly absorbative, mm-hmm. so it will absorb the purpose you direct it to. Yeah. Or or it will absorb a purpose from its shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And something like the the bodice stone, I I tend to think of it as like it could be used for either of its its shape or its stone usages. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's on a like on a ledge and it leans one way or the other depending on what you pick it up for. Mm-hmm. So the other very common shape you're going to find is the sphere. I love a sphere. Yep, lots of people do. It can be challenging, which is why to to present, which is why a lot of places will also sell them to you with a stand. <laughs> I hate it when the stand is sold separately. Sold separately, like, yeah. No, come on, man. I'm already paying enough for the stone. <laughs> the stone costs $80, and now i got to give you an extra 10 for the stand. <laughs> <laughs> that you should can, be free. Yeah, you can get very small ones or very big ones, mm-hmm. um, and they can be from a variety of stones. A lot of them will look very different than the raw or even the tumbled form. 
changes your perception of it. Like I've got here a pyrite sphere, which looks nothing like pyrite mm-hmm. normally does. And that's why also I, I like uh, the spheres for scrying as well, because many of them will have occlusions and, mm-hmm. and, and different types of imperfections, cracks, that you, cracks yeah. that you can see within the sphere. And it just helps draw you into that state yeah. uh, for scrying. Um, and if you ever need to jerry rig a, a stone stand, a washer and one of those little rubber spacers works like charm. Yep. <laughs> then you've got large specimens. These tend to be either raw or lightly shaped, like a single face will be shaped. Like I've got a piece of labradorite here that is mostly raw, it's got a mostly flat base, and then its presenting face has been cut and polished mm-hmm. to show the flash. And then I've got, a, like I've got an enormous amethyst that I didn't bring out that is just a huge raw amethyst crystal. Very pretty. And then talk about uh, your- Yeah, so th- I've also got here a very large piece of petrified wood. It's extremely heavy. As a piece of petrified wood, it's got both wood and stone energy. It's Mm -hmm. multi-layered. And I actually use this as an altar piece. So I put things on On it. It is a base. It is the earth on which I build my altar. Nice. Yeah, you can find a lot of uh, plates made out of fossilized wood. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's literally a tree. It's carved like from the trunk like you would a regular log. Yep. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell us about some of the stones you brought, Jackson? Honestly, I have mostly tumbled stones. Some of them have interesting shapes to them where they're like not quite circular. I'm not even sure what to call this one. Like a pillow almost. Yeah. Yeah. That is actually like a very wide pillow cut. And then I've got... So some stones you'll find because they have really specific inclusions. Mm -hmm. They're all... I'd call them button shaped. Yep. Exactly. Because the stone that I have in this button shape is moss agate, which is purple moss agate in particular. So it's been cut in such a way to display the patterning of moss agate like a landscape. Mm, that's pretty. Yeah, and you'll find that a lot with uh, moss agate and, or picture agate in particular. Yeah. What's that one? Oh, uh, this is a piece of agni manatite. So agni manatite is a tectite, uh, the result of meteorite impact the ground glassed over. It's kind of like obsidian in that sort of volcanic glassy way. Mm-hmm. So Except it's meteor. Yeah. So, um, you this, got meteor? No, because it's not a piece of meteor oh, rock. Okay. It's a piece of glass from Formed the impact. Oh, the impact. gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I see. Uh, there's a difference. Meteorites are much more expensive. Yes. Um, yeah, I would think so. So this piece that I have is actually raw. It's just, it cracked at some point. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's a side that's sheared off that just looks like volcanic glass. It's very, very, very smooth. It's why I picked the specimen because it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> the one other thing I do want to talk about is someone asked a question recently in the Discord about what happens and what they should do when a stone breaks. Mm. So since you were just talking about that. I usually just, when a stone for me breaks or I intentionally break them, yes, I do that sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, it's to use them as spell components. Mm -hmm. They're really nice to use those kind of shards and spell components or um, I have a little jar of like miscellaneous tiny chip stones and bits that have broken off. Yeah. Mm And I use them for, like, scrying, essentially, Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, or as, like, how to tie an energy down to a place. Just as an aside... Most of those little chips that you'll find, mm-hmm. um, which you can usually get like a bulk order for very cheap, yep. um, most of those chips are actually from the cutting process for mm-hmm. other stones. And they do make great spell components. Yes. I recommend, and you know, every yeah, witch. Just, just get a bulk order of random. Oh, yeah. Just different kinds mm-hmm. that you can just put in your spell You can usually and... get a mixed bag yeah, of, of chips. Yeah, it's called crystal confetti. Yeah. 
you buy like a pound of crystal confetti and you'll find a whole bunch of chip stones that have been smoothed and rounded out of mm-hmm. a variety of stones. And yeah. I think it's important for people to know that they don't always have to use large specimens and yeah, spells. No. You can use very small very, chips. Very little. Yep. Very yeah. little chips. Will and they're still more do the job. Uh, they're more economical. Oh, Especially also... if you're using them as spell components mm-hmm. and things that you might dispose of later. Yep. I accidentally startled the hell out of somebody once because we have a big like granite mortar and pestle. And I smashed a stone to pieces in it to use it in their spell jar. And they're like, oh, didn't that hurt the stone and its energy? And I'm like, no. (laughs) So there are different schools of thought on this. My personal uh, experience when a stone breaks, especially if it breaks significantly, is that the original spirit of that stone is not in it anymore. It's not in the fragments. And each of those individual fragments now has a new tiny baby spirit. So I would have to rebuild new relationships with a broken stone or with the pieces of a broken stone, which would then each become new relationships. But that's from an animist perspective. So Well, and I consider it in a surprisingly similar way, just without the like long process of relationship building because that's not how I work with stones. They're like like little spawn, like little clones of the original. They're they're not the same, but they'll do a similar job if you ask nice. Yeah, I would say they're not clones, but they might be considered children. Mm-hmm. You could probably consider them children. But I would say the original spirit is gone at that point. Yeah, Rannon says, depending on the type of stone or why it broke decides if I reuse it. Mostly the same, I use them as spell components. But if it was a protective stone and broke seemingly because of protective stuff, like it just suddenly cracked or something, I bury it. Oh yeah, one time I had um I had a, a protective stone bracelet, bead, a bead oh, bracelet. Mm-hmm. I remember and that. It, when I went to go shake somebody's hand, yeah, it, it shattered. shattered. And I collected all of the beads and went, okay, guys, we'll find you a good place to retire. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks for your work. <laughs> the one caution there I will say is that that's a it's a very widespread superstition that things break when they've like caught a hex for you or whatever. Mm. The, the farthest I've been able to trace that superstition is to when people started selling hematite rings. <laughs> and the reason hematite rings shatter is not because they've caught any hexes for you. It's because hematite's extremely sensitive to shock, like to physical shocks. And so if you knock your hand against something, it's just going to break. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a um, a sales tactic. Well, one, I agree with that. That's 100% true. Uh-huh. And two, I feel like... At this point in time, because it's become such a large part of the cultural diaspora, it's taken on that aspect, hematite rings. I, mm, I think... Not hex catching, but like um, negative energy absorption, I'd call it. I think that because it has become a widespread superstition, possibly, but also <laughs> stones are way older than the 70s or whenever hematite rings became a thing. <sighs> Sometimes stones are also just going to break. Yeah. Um, That's just going to happen. They're not immortal. You know, the stuff they're made of is usually strong, but it is not, you know, unless it's diamond. It's not infinite. Exactly. It's not infinite. And sometimes things just break and that's just sad, but part of life. Uh, And you move on. But yes, occasionally, especially if you've set something up already to Mm -hmm. be protective for you and it breaks, that can be a sign that, you know, it has done its job or whatever. As an aside, if you're going to intentionally break a stone, ask for a volunteer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like working with plants. You want to make sure that the, you know, you have agreement with the, with the stone spirit, Mm -hmm. uh, with what you're intending to do. Yep. I think I've covered all my stuff. All right. I think I have as well. Not that I had that much, but I threw in a lot of asides there. (laughs) All right. So you can find us on Google. If you Google the number three and the words pagans and the cat or the number three and the letters P-A-A-C, 
We have a website at the number three, pagansandacat.com, where we have links to a variety of things, including Gwen's Patheos Pagan blog and our Patreon, where you can help support us. That's right. And we love and appreciate every single one of you who uh, is able to support us. We know what a difficult time it is right now. Mm -hmm. So your patronage is very, very much appreciated. And also just thank you to all our listeners. We love you. Mm -hmm. You know we love you. (laughs) But uh, we like to remind you of that. And please come join us on Discord or in the Facebook group. That's right. Which, by the way, we just got a moderator for our Facebook group. Thanks very much to Elizabeth Elizabeth Mm -hmm. who is going to be moderating the Facebook group because none of us are on Facebook enough (laughs) to keep track of things there. That's right. Really appreciate that. Yeah, I I am able to moderate the Discord because I'm perpetually logged into Discord and have it open (laughs) on one of my monitors at all times, Mm -hmm. but I can't do that with Facebook. So So we have gotten a a very gracious moderator to help us with that. That's right. Uh, Anything else? No, I think that's it. Final thoughts? Yeah. All right. Go find some rocks, Yes, find Mm -hmm. some rocks. Um, Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about... At rock jewelry. Get some rocks that you can wear as a necklace. Oh, yeah. I almost, <laughs> I, I probably, I exclusively wear uh, mm-hmm. stone jewelry and it all has a purpose. Yep. So, you know, that's, I, a, that's a very convenient way to bring stones into your life yes. on a daily basis. Yes, exactly. Pendulums. If you're a jewelry and, wearing uh, person. And a jewelry wearing person. I've got all kind mm-hmm. of, of jewelry and some of it's protective, some of it's for clarity. And for every birthday in Yule, we get you more. Yep. <laughs> I have so much stone jewelry, and I love it all. Yeah, easiest place to start is bracelets. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, bracelets. yeah, I wear bracelets all the time. So. Yep. Or like a wire-wrapped necklace. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. get a lot. Um, or you and can literally just get a wire cage and pop a stone in there. Exactly. Yep. I Yeah, I was just going to talk about those, those little empty cages, those yep. little like wire globes that you see. Those are cages that you're supposed to put a stone in. And for my fellow pendulum diviners, if you have any kind of a necklace that has a, that has a stone, mm-hmm. it can be used as a pendulum. Oh, by the way. Some regardless people, of shape. Some people ask me about this sometimes. So those wire cages, um, you grab it either by the very top or by the little loop that the necklace goes through and the bottom and you gently pull to get mm-hmm. it to open and pop a stone in the center. It can be a little fiddly. So don't yeah. worry if it takes some time. And then it just closes back up. Yep, that's right. There's like springs, essentially. You can overstretch them, but they're pretty resilient. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now that's going to be it. That's it. it. <laughs> that's it. Wear your stones uh-huh. in your bra, around your body as a necklace. In your pocket. In your, in your pocket, on your, on your fingers, mm-hmm. on your wrists, and in just, your shoes. And just put them around your house wherever seems convenient you, to that's you. That's right. You can literally buy a stone bag and put that in your pocket. Yep. yep. I carry a stone bag in my purse for mm-hmm. protection. So there you go. Yep. Break. Done. <laughs> <laughs>